Hey, you're listening to Classic Movies Live on Heatwave Radio, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. Today, we're talking about 1917, mostly. So we've just seen 1917. We're going to talk about that. There's not a lot to spoil in this movie, but, I mean, we do actually give a spoiler warning, so there you go. Afterwards, after we talk about 1917, we uh, address the name of this podcast. This is Classic Movies Live, so we talk about what movies we've talked about uh, essentially live uh, that we think are going to become classics. So that is that discussion actually ended up going on for like almost as long as the 1917. So this is basically a two-part podcast. Um, yeah, so look forward to that. And you can probably... I don't know where the time code is, but you can probably skip ahead to the to after 1917 if you want to avoid spoilers for that movie. You know, there's probably like a clear 20 minutes you can skip there. Anyway... Don't skip the podcast. Just listen to the whole thing. You're listening to Classic Movies Live on Heatwave Radio, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. Nice. Man, at this point, at this point, I swear, like, I'm gonna... There is no way, no matter how much I practice, no matter how many times I do it, there's no way for me to just say that without either stuttering or, like, stammering or just completely forgetting the words. I'll get it eventually. Well, practice I'll get something eventually. Maybe we gotta... perfect. Maybe we gotta, like, just come up with a different slogan. This is, you know, like... <laughs> Ultimate laziness instead of <laughs> learning how to say it properly, you just change the title to like, I'll change it to like a letter or something. Just like, 90%. Welcome to M with Jeff and Pierre. <laughs> Welcome to Classic Movies Live with Jeff, uh, with Jeff and Pierre. Oh, see, I'm already doing it again. Welcome to Classic Movies Live on Heatwave Radio, where 10% artificial flavoring, 90% juice, and 100% reason to remember the name. Hmm, interesting. That's not a good one. We're not going to keep that one. Oh, Uh, man. That's too bad. What if the math didn't add up? Like, what if it was really obvious, too? Like, 90%, 10%, and 8%, and 100%. As long as we're not, like, a math podcast, we're good. That's true. We did actually have... uh, Here's here's some fun heatwave radio behind the the scenes. Way back when, when I was trying to drum up, uh, get get a bunch of... um, when I was trying to, like, get us a bunch of shows, we had one person. I don't know if he was actually interested, but it was suggested to me that I talk to one person to actually do a math podcast. Mm. Uh, he's no longer on campus, so I can't oh. talk to him anymore. <laughs> but, like, can you imagine if we had a math podcast on Heatwave Radio? What was it called, like, I, I don't, was it ge- at a geometry pun or something? Well, it was, like... It was it was literally like you should go talk to this guy. So no no actual conversations ever occurred because I was super busy and didn't know who the guy was. But oh, yes, that that would be a problem. Yeah, but it would have been cool. It probably would have been talking about like um, probably like weird math concepts. There's some strange stuff mm. in math. Um, yeah, math is cool. There's also some strange stuff in the theaters right now. Mm-hmm. 
None of which we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a fairly, a, a very cool movie, but mm-hmm. like not, not necessarily a very strange one. We're going to talk about 1917 today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen this movie twice now. Have you seen this movie? I've seen it once. Okay, so you <laughs> have seen this. I hope I've seen this movie. I mean, like, I don't know if we've actually ever recorded an episode where one of us hasn't seen the movie we're talking about, no. but it's almost happened at least once. I mean, the Oscars one was like 50%. I didn't know what we were talking about. And so. 100% reason to remember the name. Whoa. <laughs> the math on that one doesn't add up. I nah, checked. Still not. Um, yeah, nineteen seventeen is a movie based in World War One, mm-hmm. and the whole plot is one person is trying to send a message. Well, it's two people. Two people are trying to send a message to another platoon or battalion. Uh, yeah, I that don't is know attacking, the... mm-hmm. and they have to send a message that it's a trap and stop it before they get caught in the trap. Right, and the the stakes are that, like, Britain stands to lose 1,600 people yes. just from being ambushed. Mm-hmm. And the Germans have been planning it for, like, months. So yeah. they have to go and stop. Can, should I, can I say who they have to stop, or is that a spoiler? The Germans? <laughs> is that a spoiler? That's not, that's I not what I meant. Not. Well, oh. no, no, they, gotta, they don't stop the Germans. They got to stop the, the, the British, like the second Devons oh, from attacking. Oh, that's not a spoiler. Oh. That was in the trailer. That's like the whole, I mean, that's literally like. Oh, I was going to, because I was going to say, all right, if you say it's not a spoiler, they have to go and stop Benedict Cumberbatch from doing oh. something very, very. Nah, that's not. Very bold, but very foolish. Yes. Um, very, that's a very Benedict Cumberbatch-like role. By the way, I thought it was like bold but foolish, Sherlock. Yes, possibly, but he actually plays this. uh, Let's talk about Benedict Cumberbatch for a minute here. Even though he's He's got a full two minutes of screen time in (laughs) this movie, maybe maybe as many as five. No, there's no way. It's it's only one scene, but it is a long scene. Mm, I don't think it was. Um, it was a very okay. tension-filled scene. I, I think maybe, it was maybe it was minutes. maybe it was just two minutes then. But, but like, so he's got he's got several seconds on screen for sure. Mm-hmm. But he is magnetic in those <laughs> two. <laughs> oh yeah, the camera cannot look away from him. It, it keeps like crazy. zooming in on him too. Yeah. Like he's he's probably actually magnetic. That's what's going on. I could see this. Yes. Um, but uh, what 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 did I want to say about Benedict Cumberbatch? It's actually so it's not a. It's not an uncharacteristic role for him. Like you said, bold but foolish is pretty much his he's, he's repertoire. Pretty, it's pretty much what he is. But uh, he does play it quite a bit differently. It's got like a bit of a different feel from a lot of Benedict Cumberbatch characters. Like he's he's uh, he's got the same characteristics as like Doctor Strange, but he's not as quite he's he's not up his own ass in the same way. He's as up his own ass for sure, but not like he he feels like feels. I mean, he's got more authority, I guess, is what it comes down to yeah. in his role, which maybe that's the only difference, honestly. I could see. I mean, there's not really much to go off of because again, he's on the screen for two minutes. Yeah. So anyway, we want to analyze Mark Strong next. How about? No, please. <laughs> no more celebrity. Cameos. Okay, so there are celebrities in this movie, or I mean, I guess. Technically, everyone in this movie that has any kind of role has had roles before, so they're not, like, complete no-names. Yeah. But essentially the biggest names in this movie are on screen for... I think I think Colin Firth is there for five minutes. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I think still think two okay, minutes. Okay, well, max. like, all of, the ma- all of the biggest names in this are on screen for less than five minutes. Yes, I can agree Less than that. five minutes, for mm-hmm. sure. Which is very... It was... 
kind of, I, I was kind of disappointed because like there are a lot of cool actors in this, but then also it kind of makes sense in that. Well, I do think that like the movie wants to focus on two nobodies. Yeah, and also um, all the all the big names that it got were fairly old. They wouldn't really have been. Uh, they wouldn't have been the uh, the young the, the young troopers. thugs going through. Yeah. So, um, but like. Also, um, I think it benefited from that because I didn't personally know the actors that were the main characters in this. Um, I, I thought that one of them might have looked familiar, but, I mean, I found out later I have seen him in other things. But at the time, I was just like, well, he also kind of looks like Elijah Wood, so maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, like, I had seen technically both of these actors before, but I didn't recognize them. And I think that the movie really benefits from that because I wasn't, like, watching... I wasn't watching the uh, watching the movie, and you know, look constantly just seeing Benedict Cumberbatch doing something, or mm-hmm. just Mark Strong. Mm-hmm. Like they were there, and their roles felt. I felt like the the way in which their roles were were used uh, really elevated the movie in a way that they wouldn't if those roles had been taken by nobodies, but also. Um, they wouldn't have, like, if they had been the main characters, then the movie would have suffered for it as well, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It, it, because the movie's, uh, it's centered around just, it feels like just another one, one story. It doesn't, it doesn't make itself feel very epic, in my opinion. Right. Like, it's just, because especially at, uh, at the end, well, they say, because the movie's just him sending a message, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, they're not winning the war or anything. It's a very, it's not even a battle. It's just, like, they're trying to stop people from dying. Yeah, and it takes it and, takes place during the war, but, like, a year out from the end. More yeah. than a year out, I think. So it's not, it's not trying to make any, uh, it's not, it's not depicting any particular, particular uh, part of, like, particular event in the war or anything, and it doesn't. Yeah want to yeah well that's what i kind of like because like i honestly there's a lot of heroes there's a lot of heroic stories i think in the army but in the end it's not they're not doing or the the goal of these missions isn't doing it for glory like these guys are doing it to for each other you know well i mean their country in a way yeah i mean they're doing it because they essentially have no choice well that too yeah (laughs) well i mean on on the one hand it's a direct order so they literally have no choice yeah but on the other hand like also the reason they're doing it is because they can't send a bunch of people mm-hmm. otherwise they'll all get killed yeah. and their whole point is to stop 1600 people from walking into an ambush like mm-hmm. at, at every point like they kind of have no choice both no. figuratively well, and literally I like the the movie was really smart I mean this, this is a really basic thing but they gave the main character a an emotional an emotional attachment to completing the goal mm-hmm. and that it was his brother was there the guy given the mission is told his brother is in that in that battalion or whatever that's right. attacking and if he doesn't deliver the message in time then his brother could be killed essentially that's right. his fear so it is it is just another mission but to this guy and he's just, it's an order but mm-hmm. to this guy it's also you know he he's doing it because it's, he wants to personal. save it yeah it's personal he wants to save his family and then the guy brings along 
you kind of see the other coin of that other part of that coin where he is kind of dragged along because he was unlucky. But then by the end, he too has an emotional attachment to this mission. Exactly, and that was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Even though in the end, it's just it's, yeah, it was just orders, you know. Yeah. Um, but I like that that theme of it feels very big, but it's actually just really small. It's it's another another. Uh, bolts in the mechanism of, mm-hmm. the, of the entire war, you know, of the war effort. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you want to talk about the the big, uh, what everyone's talking about with this movie? Yeah, I think, we, I think we we, to, we've got to address it at some point, and, yeah. like, this is the reason that I wanted to see, that I was so excited about this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1917 is a one-shot movie, or at the very least, like, it tries it's, to be. It, yeah. it technically isn't. There's... Uh, it blacks out. It blacks out. It blacks out at one point. And also, like, if you're really, really, really um, paying attention, paying attention, you can see at the very least. Well, I mean, you don't even have to be paying attention to see where they would have cut. If mm. you're really paying attention, you can probably see where they did cut. Mm. I wouldn't even see really paying it. Well, okay, if you know, if you know how films are made and how one shots are usually done, then yeah, I could see. Definitely, like I was honestly, it kind of sucked because like now, because I've, I've read a lot about one shots mm-hmm. and like how they're how they're done, even though if it's sometimes they cut. Right. Um. So I was always watching for that, which kind of sucks because it breaks the immersion a bit. Yeah. But also there were parts where you can tell, they were stitching together, footage where it got a little wavy or a little distorted. Well, one uh, one buddy that I went to see this with, he went. Uh, he he said, I thought it was really cool how many objects just happened to pass through the foreground. Yeah. <laughs> like. I mean, uh, huh, that's a nice rock right there. Uh, yeah, but even like there, it's, you, you see like a little, yeah, you mm-hmm. see a little ripple or something. It's very subtle. Yeah. I think it's subtle. Well, least. and they go out of their way to make sure that none of the objects passing through the foreground actually obscure everything. Like you can, mm-hmm. it's, it's made in such a way, it's made technically very well where yeah. they're, trying to even hide the fact that they're, they're trying to through it. they're they're trying yeah. to hide the fact that they're trying to hide things. Yeah, there is there is no part where they just like they pan over and then there's like a scene where the entire screen's like a rock. Yeah. And then you don't see anything else until Yeah, they, the it, closest it, it thing I can over. think of is there's one time where they pan past a house mm. and it's like, well, this is almost certainly a cut here, mm. except also they pan in such a way that like uh, there's three people peeing at the house, and so it still looks like it's like one continuous shot mm. because there's action still happening on yeah, screen. Yeah, which is really smart mm-hmm. to do that. Um, but yeah, I just uh, we got to credit Roger Deakins. He's an amazing. He's a cinematographer for this movie. He's an amazing one. He I think he did. He won for Blade Runner 2049. Oh wow! Two years ago. Oh, is he um, the guy that like he got nominated like 18 times and didn't win until 2049? Yeah, he's done some amazing movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he 2049, and I he definitely deserved it for that as well. Oh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, he he really outdid himself. I saw like a behind the scenes making of this movie. They had to plan, like cinematography was definitely like the biggest part of this movie, mm-hmm. and they had to plan it out for months in advance and. They had to rehearse, you know, along the camera path and everything. Yeah. Because, like, the, the characters are always moving, so mm-hmm. um, they have to make sure the camera keeps at a proper pace while these characters are moving. And it was just such a cool process. Yeah. I'd really recommend watching the behind the scenes if you've 
watched the movie already. And if you haven't watched the movie already, um, I hope we haven't spoiled I don't think we've really spoiled anything. We haven't, anything. no. But if you haven't watched the movie already, I do recommend seeing this one in theaters if you can. Yeah, this is definitely kind of like Dunkirk, which is another war mm-hmm. movie. I feel like watching it at home, it, it'd still be pretty... Well, it's still a good movie. Pretty good, but this is more... It feels more like... In my opinion, this was more of a technical achievement mm-hmm. than, you know, something that you're going to for the plot, essentially, mm-hmm. you know? It's it's a cinematic experience. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, you should watch it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do we want to go into spoilers now? Um, I'm going to say, I don't know if we're going to go straight there, but, like, I'm going to say right now, here's here's your spoiler warning. I think we're... We're like we're only like fifteen minutes in, but anyway, we've talked about pretty much everything aside from spoilers. So yeah. as of this point, is spoilers. Okay, perfect. Um, All right, first spoiler. Yeah. The guy, <laughs> the first, the guy who's sending the message to his brother ends up dying. Yeah. So that's where that's where quite a bit of the emotional attachment of the other guy comes in. Yeah, which I thought was really clever because mm-hmm. I think the whole time. Just kind of like, ah, this guy is just dragging him. Well, and also it was kind of interesting because up until that point, the the foreshadowing is that the other guy is going to die because he starts by accidentally impaling himself on barbed wire. Yeah. And then he puts his hand into a dead body. So he's like clearly going to get gangrene. And then he almost explodes in uh, in a cave. And then he gets out and then they get out of the cave. Mm. And the other guy gets stabbed once and dies. Because, I mean, if you get stabbed, you die. You're dead, yeah. So, like, it's... It was it was a real it was really surprising just the mm-hmm. way that it happened because it was so quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially there was such a the well the first act is essentially them crossing no man's land mm-hmm. and then through the German uh, trenches. Yeah. To the other side, uh, it's it's a really cool scene. It's very, very. There's like no obvious danger, but the atmosphere they set up and through cinematography, they're able to really convey like a sense of dread. Mm-hmm. Also, like, like the set like i don't know how they they made it so believable with like they had randomly strewn bodies everywhere that looked really realistic yeah um like sometimes they were just completely covered in dirt but you could just sense like they they were still there you know mm-hmm. um but yeah that that whole thing it's really a lot of tension and then the they go into the tunnels and then the guy the guy gets saved from the exploding tunnel around him, mm-hmm. and then you're relieved, right? And you're like, oh, okay, so they got through it. Well, and it seems like it's slowing down for a bit, because yeah. then they, well, they already haven't encountered anybody up yeah. to this point, but, like, even the very earth was against them is kind of what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And then they get to a farm where they see, like, a cow, and no one's around, it's abandoned, but there's some milk there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's just, like, a nice, peaceful area. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, a dogfight happens, and one of the planes gets shot down and lands right next to them. Yes. And it's not a British plane. No, which was really, that was a cool scene, because mm-hmm. it was kind of cool, because you are just like, who who lost in that fight, and who, yeah. which pilot is going to crash into them, you know? Yeah, because, like, I guess... I guess the British and German planes are probably different even in the movie, but you can't see from that far yeah, away. Well, yeah, especially as an audience member. Yeah. If you're not familiar with World War II plane designs, World War I plane designs, right. you're not going to know. I mean, and like I said, even then, they're so hard to see because they're so far away and yeah. moving not that fast, but fast enough. Yeah. So, yeah, that well, that made it pretty suspenseful. Um, and then, yeah, the, 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 the guy who you assume is the main character because he's the one with the emotional... Yeah. Uh, attachment, he ends up dying, um, which was really, and it was such like a 
It was out of nowhere, honestly. It, yeah, like, it's a really rough scene because it comes, like you said, out of nowhere. It's very quick. And, um, I mean, throughout that entire scene, as he's dying, it doesn't seem like he's going to die or should die. Mm-hmm. And then just out of nowhere, yeah. he well, not really out of nowhere. I mean, at, at, at that point. Yeah. But, like, he just bleeds out and... Yeah, it was such, like, an anticlimactic end for him. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, he's the one that the audience was cheering for, basically. Mm -hmm. And then I I think that really sets the stage, because now you're like, I could potentially see this guy dying, too. Even though if you're... If you're kind of like a, if you were, if you were thinking about it, you you could kind of tell he wouldn't die. The and I kind guy. of feel like at this, at that point, like the emotional stakes for the audience just kind of come in at that point too, mm-hmm. because up until that point, it never really seems like they can go back on their mission. Like they're definitely set into doing the whole thing, mm-hmm. but at that point, it's like, oh, this is serious. Like he's he's got to do it now, and yeah. now he doesn't have a, a friend. Like mm-hmm. now it's just one of them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it does sort of make the entire thing more serious all at once, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah, and that was uh, just, I think it really changed the tone. To, well, it, 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 it basically, like, it's such a weird scene because it, like, transfers main character status to yeah. the next guy in a way. Um, because now you're identifying with him mm-hmm. and you're like, you know, what's he going to do? Because he never wanted to be on the mission. His, like, basically, I'm guessing his best friend in the war just died. Probably, yeah. Um, out of nowhere. And, uh, yeah, but then you really invest in him because he's, now he's doing it for his friend. Yeah, you know, well, now he's got a reason to, for. now he's got a reason, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, and it, so that, that additionally, like, adds to the, the excitement of mm-hmm. him getting to the other side. But I would say that, like, I think this movie, well, this movie's, obviously split into basically three acts Mm -hmm. and i would say that that's not even quite where the first act ends Mm because shortly after that he gets to a i want to say french town i think it's a french town Uh, he gets to a small french town that's been just like destroyed Mm -hmm. and when he gets there he actually meets a german sniper and gets shot Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets shot in the helmet, so it's more the impact of falling that does him in. Yeah. But um, that's <laughs> that's the first cut of this movie. The only like, the only um, cut that you actually see in this movie. Yeah, but it didn't feel cheap though. No, it definitely you, you felt were like oh man, they like they ruined the one shot. <laughs> yeah. It's more like oh no, he's he's potentially dead. Yeah, I mean like... at that point you actually because it's been a one shot up to that point. I mean, in your mind, you kind of know that it has to continue because we're, what, an hour into the into a two-hour mm-hmm. movie at that point. But at the same time, it it real it really feels like that could be the end of the movie because mm-hmm. up until that point, it's been a one shot, and all of a sudden, it goes it goes black for yeah. a while, and then we don't get back to that character until I'm gonna say probably four or five hours later. Yeah, maybe that would make sense. maybe longer even. Yeah, it's hard to say the time i don't think it really mattered yeah that much either um, way when he gets shot it's daytime when he wakes up it's very 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 early morning like midnight mm, basically yeah but yeah that was i i love that that scene like the sniper scene was just really really i think that was the scariest part of the movie honestly yeah. um and then him going to uh he meets like a a mother not a mother a, a young a young woman yeah. i think with a baby that's not hers that's not hers um, and that was just 
I think really important in fleshing out his character. Yeah, uh, they don't actually say anything specific about his character there, but they show him just like caring for this kid, Mm -hmm. and uh, he deflects the question of whether or not he has a kid, but Mm -hmm. at this point you see that like, well maybe, like at this point you start to think, well maybe he's a father and he's got a family, and like he, um, yeah, you start to flesh out his character. Yeah. It was a nice break from the war yeah. to uh, just a, it was a grounding thing of like, this well, is what. Especially because this comes, so you just, you already mentioned that the sniper is probably the most tense part of the movie, mm. but um, the entire second act, which is just him in that bombed out French town is almost as tense as that one scene. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Because he's just sort of like, he's he's in that town sort of sneaking around trying to get past. The town is fully occupied by Germans, and mm-hmm. it's it's midnight or, like, three in the morning. So, you know, there's three Germans still awake that are just keeping guard and stuff. He's He has to sneak past them, and they obviously want him dead if they see him. So he uh, he actually he just ends up like running from people who are actively shooting him like five feet away from him mm-hmm. for this entire second act of the movie, yeah. except for this gra- for that one scene where he uh, finds the French woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I really I just really like that. Scene. Yeah, yeah. It's and very then also, good scene. but then after when he escapes the town, mm-hmm. I didn't. That was probably the worst part of the movie for me, in my opinion. Where he it, jumps into the river. Ah uh, well, yeah. It it started to feel a little blockbustery. That whole, he's running away and like the soldiers are trying to shoot him, and mm-hmm. they're like, what ten meters behind, but they they can never hit, not even close. You know. I mean, not a single one of them took any time to try and aim. That's that's a fair <laughs> point. Uh, but it it just felt a little because it was so gritty mm-hmm. before, right? It felt very realistic. Um, that was the only part. It, it felt slightly like. You know, watching Star Wars and the stormtroopers can't yeah. hit, even though like I could rationalize right it, there. but you're right. Like mm. it does seem a little unbelievable at that point. Yeah, which is like it makes sense for a movie, I guess. But mm. I think it was a little lazy. Um, Maybe for, for what the tone it was going for. Uh, but that wasn't. That's honestly not a big deal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He jumps into a river. There's a really cool scene where I just I, I just want to say I love the dead bodies in this movie. Oh Sounds yeah, really they're, weird, but they're pretty. They're really gross. They're really gross. Yeah, their presence though, like, I was just—it was just always really disturbing to see like random bodies thrown. Places, well, yeah, because you know? it's weird because this movie has—I mean, except for a couple of scenes where there's, you know, hundreds of people on screen because they're in a trench or something. Mm-hmm. This movie is really, really desolate. But also there's. Dozens, if not hundreds, of bodies strewn everywhere. So it mm. does make it seem like it's like makes it seem newly desolate. I guess yeah. it's it makes it very, very apocalyptic in a mm. way. Well, yeah, and I it feels so sad too. You yeah, know, usually you have this idea of like you know of a war where like all oh, the heroes like these 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 heroes are like buried with yeah like, like honor and stuff, but. Like, at that point, there's, like, so many bodies that just, they just get left. You know, they're well, forgotten about. I'm thinking of other war movies I've seen, and the only one that I can think about, that I can remember with enough, like, certainty to actually say something is over is Overlord. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously not a realistic war movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, in Overlord, when people get killed, they, um, 
okay, so that movie has a gimmick. But when people get killed in Overlord and they aren't important to the rest of the movie, they just sort of, like, disappear. Like, you don't see them anymore. Yeah. And then in uh, a lot of war movies tend to be very, very good and forego stuff like that, but the not-so-good ones, you know, people get killed, they just sort of disappear. They're not in. They're not there anymore. In this, like... In, in this, death feels a little more real in that there's very few characters, so all of them are very important to the plot, mm. but also just the bodies that are everywhere. And there's a couple of times where I'm pretty sure you see someone get hit by a bomb. So, like... Yeah, yeah. yeah and they actually, like, just roll over dead. Mm. So... Yeah, it makes death feel a lot more real in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it could happen Mm -hmm. to anyone at any time. I think probably, and we've touched on it in just about everything we've said, I think probably the the thing I like most about this movie is just how, I guess, how, like, personal and real it seems. Mm -hmm. Because, like, death feels real. Uh, You have a real attachment to the characters. When something happens to the characters, like, it feels like it means something because, you know, you're with them the entire time. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Like, this this movie, just everything about it feels meaningful. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Yeah. You know? Because um, it's a, it's a relative... It's a pretty... It's not a long movie, right? It's a, around two hours. It's about maybe two hours. Shorter. It's not excessively long, mm-hmm. but it's, like... It's, you know, not short either, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I liked how... I think that makes it feel more relatable, too. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Like, it doesn't give you time to well, just... Reflect like yeah. you're always it's it's very consistently like you're always feeling something. Yeah, and I think movie. I think you're right about the relatability too because a good share of the people who are watching this movie have not and prob- potentially will not ever experience a war and certainly won't ever experience a war like quite like World War One. Mm-hmm. So like it's it can be difficult to relate or I guess not it, it can be difficult to relate to that scenario kind of yeah um so with this movie they make the characters feel relatable because they really emphasize that these are just guys like they're just they're just people Mm -hmm. and i know that that's probably a very cliched thing to say like a lot of war movies do that but i mean it doesn't make it any less important to do in a war movie yeah yeah um but uh, yeah i think that's always been really important for war movies i Mm -hmm. want them to be pretty pretty gritty um, I think that's the advantage. That's the only problem I had with Dunkirk, actually. It was very bloodless. I don't usually care about blood, but um, I think to show, to demonstrate how terrible war is, mm-hmm. like, I, I think it's a pretty, it's actually pretty important. Yeah. In my opinion, in order to not glorify it, at least. Um, but it, still, Dunkirk was, like, really good, and not, and... I, and in no way does Dunkirk make me think war is cool either. No, no, for <laughs> That's sure. It's also very, very scary to watch the main characters go through all the stuff they have to go through. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then what the movie ends. He goes to the... He does complete his mission. Yes. And then the movie ends on a scene that is almost exactly like the scene it starts on, which I thought I thought the symmetry was really nice. Of... Um, at the beginning, he starts in, like, a big oh. field of flowers sitting next to a tree, and then they get up, and they go and get the mission. Yeah. And then at the very end, he sits down, like, leans up against a tree yeah. in a field of flowers, and he pulls out a picture of presumably his wife. It's hard to say for sure, because 
yeah. he, he doesn't say anything. Well, but two, like it, two females. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know if both of them were his daughters or one was his wife. And it one looks was his like daughter. it looks like it could be maybe his mom and sister and maybe. also his girlfriend, or yeah. it could be his wife and also his wife and his daughter. Yeah. It's hard to say. Just, they're they're very old pictures too. I guess the whole realization is just that if he died there would be you he was he was fighting for his life not just for himself yeah but also to make sure that you know he comes home for his family right you know? and that's not th- something you realize until that's why he was so scared mm-hmm. at the start especially because he has a lot to lose if or his family has a lot to lose if he dies yeah because they need him right but yeah and then I I think you he, he some people I read online that some people assume he died because of the the he got he got caught in the in in the barbed wire and maybe infected eventually <sighs> maybe um, i don't well like think that was i don't intended to port- to make people think that but i heard a friend of mine i don't think he necessarily believed this but he suggested what if the guy died when he was shot and everything afterwards is like in his head and i think like this isn't a movie where that's a cool thought. No, like it's just kind of lame. Honestly. Yeah, if, if the hidden meaning behind this movie is that the guy died and the rest is and and any part of it is like in his head or in heaven or something, that's stupid in yeah, this case. Yeah, it doesn't make it's it's one of those movies where you don't really want. Like, yeah, that. and also like this movie is actually based on a real story, so. Uh, very roughly, very, like it's very, it's yeah. it's dra- it's heavily dramatized, but I this think is I think based, it's just based on the idea of. No, it's actually like inspired by real events. Oh, because okay, never mind. Sam Mendez's grandfather mm-hmm. was one of those guys. No, I don't think that was a. No, I think it was it, though. It was. Yeah. Uh, well, like again, heavily dramatized to the point where the actual events probably do not even re- reflect the movie. Well, but it's inspired yeah. by a story no. that his grandfather well, yeah. told him. I know his grandfather. I think he was like one of the messengers. Yeah, that's what I'm um, saying. So just yeah, just inspired from messengers, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then. It was a really sad scene at the end where he has to confront the brother and tell him about, you know, the dude dying at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, that was with Rob Stark. Yeah, um, Ri- Richard Madden, I Richard think. Richard Madden, yeah. And he uh, he does a really good job for the 60 seconds of screen time he gets. Yeah, like, it's, he, it's, he fits in a lot of emotion. I still remember yeah. how he heard his brother's name. He's like, oh, what's his... I can't remember the names. But, uh, oh, what's his name's here? And then he like looks around excitedly. Yeah, Tom. Tom. He's like, oh, yeah. Tom's here. Well, where, where is he? And yeah. He's like, oh, he. No, he was sent with me. Yeah. He's not here. Yeah. And, and then, then it's the sad. Yeah, and he he gets a lot of. Uh, it's a very convincing sad. He gets yeah. a lot of emotion into that sad. Yeah, and then, and then it ends with him. Well, he finds out that his brother died saving. Or trying to, what was it, trying to save someone else's life? He just finds, I I don't think he finds... He he knows his brother saved... Yeah, he knows his brother saved the main guy, whose name is Will Schofield. Will Schofield. I think Schofield. Schofield Um, sounds right. But anyway, his name's Will. He, uh, He died, and at one point he had saved Will... And I think he knows he died from a stab wound. He doesn't necessarily know the entire story because yeah. it's not important to relay in two mm-hmm. minutes there. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, that was just, I, I think, really brought it together mm-hmm. full close. It was kind of obvious that was going to happen from the start. But um, yeah, it was, it was just, it was a nice last scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, this, this movie is just like, 
It's just really cool to look at. Yeah. Um, very, very basic story and dialogue, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, like, it did the job. That wasn't the main purpose of it. Right. And it wasn't trying to be it. So, um, yeah, I really, I really like this movie, despite the conventionality. Yeah. I conventionality. So, um, our Oscars episode came out a while ago, I think, at this point. But uh, what would you say, like, where, where would you put this in... Uh, in, in in ranking this year, and you don't necessarily have to give it a number, but like, right, yeah. what what do you what do you think? Did I mean obviously we both recommend it? I would mm. say, yeah, uh, I definitely say it's it might be the best war movie I've seen. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I remember seeing Dunkirk, and there were some slight problems with that. Right. Uh, and then Saving Private Brian is usually people's favorite, from what I can tell. Did I you didn't. say Saving Private Brian? No, Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> Not unfortunately, we didn't save Brian no, in that movie. Rest in peace, but, Brian. <laughs> but uh, the, I I found that one to be kind of corny in some ways. It was very gritty, mm. but then like it slowly turned more and more into a blockbuster right. movie, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, this this one was definitely, I I think very very much put you in the the shoes of a soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for that, like. It was just a very different type of movie. I don't know where I'd put it. Because it's yeah. not... I would never say it's, like, the the best movie of the year because, like, it's just so... Well, it's hard to compare to anything else, exactly. right? Exactly. It's just such a different type of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'd definitely say it was, like, a great movie experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, other mo- I think the other movies I've seen this year that I liked as much as this one, I think I could watch them at home. This one I probably couldn't. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I was going to say, this is probably my favorite movie that I saw in theaters, Mm. specifically with that in theaters. Like, I've seen other movies in theaters this year, but, like, Mm. this is the one that I don't know if once it comes out on DVD, it's going to really be worth it to watch again outside of a theater. Mm. Um, And I had originally put this right after I saw it. I thought this was my favorite movie I've seen this year, and it's definitely up there. I... I think I might, uh, I've, I've thought about it a lot, and I think I might, like, if I had to pick a favorite movie this year, I'd probably put Parasite above it. Mm. But um, it's also, that's also really difficult to compare, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, As, like, I think the production itself yeah. is definitely by far, like, the best thing this year, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. set design, uh, cinematography... The music was really, really good. The, the sound mixing and stuff, everything was really yeah. good. It's just a really good-looking movie. Yeah. And it, like, I can't believe they made it. It felt like a huge blockbuster movie with like how immersive the world was. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like it was relatively cheap. For Yeah, I, think. Yeah, I guess. It was, it was made for about 90 to $100 million. That's pretty but cheap, yeah. I couldn't believe it watching mm-hmm. the movie. I guess they saved a lot on the cast. Cause <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, too, they saved a lot on the cast, but they had to pay lots of extras. Like, apparently there's oh, some yeah. scenes where there's up to 500 extras around. Yeah, and I so, think that really helped. Some, Especially with this, I feel like you could potentially notice CGI. Oh, you definitely stragglers. would. Yeah, but this movie, it's seamless. You couldn't. The only CGI I noticed in this movie were the rats, and it didn't bother me because they were rats. Yeah, I mean, I kind of bought it. Kind of, it was just it, no. It, it would have been cooler if they could train rats to do yeah, it. But, but like, yeah, but it's, it's obviously they impossible can. Yeah. for the rat. Yeah, to get the rat what they want. So, um, yeah, I would definitely put it up there. 
top five at least. For sure, I I put maybe, it there maybe. and like. Yeah, I think so. That's that's nineteen seventeen. Mm-hmm. But I did have one other question before we stop today. What so, is that question? Um, we are getting close, I think, by now to the end of the season, I guess, or at least the end of the school year. We'll probably just keep going after that. But anyway. I was wondering, now that we're in 2020, what do you think... Uh, the, the name of this show is Classic Movies Live. Yeah. Of the movies we've talked about here, which one do you think are which ones do you think are actually going to be enduring classics? Oh, of the movies we've talked about here or just in 2019? I mean, in general. In I would, general? Uh, but, like, of the ones that we've talked about on stream, and that's not even necessarily, like, what are the things you think are the best, because one of the movies that I think is an enduring classic that we talked about is not anywhere close to the best movie of 2019. Which movie is that? Joker. I think that Joker is actually going to end up being at least somewhat influential Mm -hmm. in, at least in in the the coming years. Yeah. Because it was was a big, high-profile comic book villain movie, and it was very, and it was like an entirely self-contained thing. Yeah. So there's lots of lessons that Hollywood could learn from that, and... Hollywood tends to learn the wrong lessons, so we'll see where that goes. Mm. But I think that that is going to influence a lot of movies going forward, especially since quite a bit of the movie landscape is taken up by superhero movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, well, what I love about talking about influential movies is, yeah, I think it very rarely, or it's not always, yeah, it's not always about the quality. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot about just like the the timing, Mm -hmm. there's a lot about just, how people reacted to it, maybe yeah. behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, because what I also think is 1917 is very good. I don't know how much of a splash it's going to make. Like, I don't think it will. In five years, yeah. people like people will look back on it and still say that was good, but mm-hmm. I don't think people are going to look back on that and use 1917 as inspiration for their next movie. No, not at all. It's, yeah, especially, like, there's not much to take from this movie, mm-hmm. like... It just felt like a really well-done war movie, but yeah. like, no, it didn't bring anything truly new to the table. No, it just did a lot of things very well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I had to think back over the last year, I'd definitely say Joker mm-hmm. um, in terms of it was really big in that it's it, it, it proved that um, audiences will pay to see superhero... Well, it's kind of a super... But like essentially, like if you market it properly... You can have a really big movie based off of, based a, off an existing character, yeah. but make it very gritty, R-rated, um, and it doesn't even like it didn't have much action in it at all. And it almost certainly is never going to tie into any other DC movie. Yeah, it but, might, but like probably not. Standalone, but yeah, and it and it made more than like, um, like most. It's it's one of the higher I tier think it is, superhero movies. I think it's the highest R-rated superhero movie for sure. I think it's the highest R movie ever. It might be, yeah. Um, because I think Deadpool had that title before. Right, and if it beat Deadpool, then it beat Deadpool by a lot. Yeah, you know, um, I think Deadpool definitely gave Joker the ability to exist, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um. I would and, also say that, like, the most influential movie isn't necessarily the first one to do what it does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, um, this was the first one to really, I guess, well, actually, no, this one's the first of its kind, though, in my opinion. Well, I mean, 
I was just saying, like, it's not the first R-rated superhero movie for sure. Oh, and like, it's building on other movies in the past. It's even building on Logan a bit because Logan technically wasn't a standalone story, but it kind of was. It kind of was. And this is, and like, but this one is, for all intents and purposes, the first big R-rated standalone superhero movies. Mm, Yeah, it's not actually the first of any of those things. But it's the one that people are gonna. Rec- but if that it becomes a trend that starts, mm. we're gonna st- we're gonna all be able. We can all go back and trace its origins to Joker yeah. specifically. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not a it's not a coincidence that you can kind of see the track of Deadpool was made for mm-hmm. relatively like very little money for a superhero movie. Yeah. Um. But still, it made a ton of money. That let Logan, I think, become an R-rated movie, mm-hmm. which also made a lot of money. Even though this one wasn't a comedy, it was a very gritty. Realistic I mean, take on the James character. Mangold was basically trying to make a western. Yeah, exactly. And then he did it. And then it worked out. Um, and then now we have, yeah, Joker, I think, is the succession to those movies of mm-hmm. taking what Logan did and taking it even further with having a character. But yeah, like there was no action. There wasn't really any action in the movie. It was a very um, philosophical thinking movie, even yeah. though it wasn't. It was a little. It wasn't, it, it thought it was smarter than it was. Yeah. But it was like it, all those things you said. Yeah. But, it, and it captured audiences. That's the main thing. Yeah. And the only way that that, and, um, well, not the only way. I was just going to say, uh, it's, it's really a shame, um, cause we're speaking now from 2025. It's really a shame <laughs> that that entire trend was killed off with Sasha Baron Cohen's Clayface <laughs> because, man, that had potential, but it was such a misstep, right? Yeah. And the, and the whole trend of things. <laughs> what is the clay isn't clayface an actor in the comics? Yeah, I, I think yeah. that on, honestly That'd be a so pretty meta take. I think, I think Hollywood that, liked that. I think that Clayface has potential to be a really cool movie if that's yeah. ever something they wanted to do. That would be nice. I don't I know if they will, that. but like that's yeah. that's my dream Batman villain. Clayface, uh, clayface movie. drama. Um but yeah, so Joker, I think Avengers Endgame for obvious reasons. I don't know that Avengers Endgame is going to be very influential because like I think I, it's it's important for sure because it's the ending of like that of basically a 22 a 23 movie series mm-hmm. and it ended it it stuck the landing mm-hmm. um on the other hand I don't think that endgame specifically oh, did fair. very much that's going to really influence things going forward maybe infinity war and endgame together I wouldn't say influence like, things I just say more like it's, oh, I guess it will. I, I, they'll be very well remembered right. for years from now. I forgot. The question was, what are the classic movies? And I think Endgame yeah. for sure, yes. Yeah. You might have said influential, actually, for the... I, I've said both at okay, different times, mind. for sure. Yeah, anyways, I think Endgame and Infinity War together will go down as classic movies mm-hmm. in a similar vein to, like, in my opinion, maybe not as big, but, like, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, those two. Yeah. Um, because they're very similar and just like, how they were executed, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, those two, I'm trying to think of any others this year, but so, it's kind of sad that I can only think of superhero movies Well, I right guess now. the, uh, I guess the, by the time this, mo- this uh, episode comes out, um, I guess this statement that I'm about to make is going to be, or not that I'm about to make, but, like, this will already be kind of decided. Mm-hmm. If... Parasite wins at the Academy Awards mm-hmm. and like wins big at the Academy Awards. Parasite definitely. 
Oh, for sure. Because yeah. I think that like Parasite is already going to go down as a very fondly remembered movie, and if Parasite does end up winning Best Picture at the Academy Awards, yeah. then it will also go down as like a classic movie of 2019. If it doesn't, uh, it'll yeah. definitely still be one that people look back fondly on. Yeah. But it's hard to say if that'll if it'll like get any more into the public conscience than it already is. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see like from a cultural. Yeah. It's not. I mean, the movie's amazing. Yeah. But in this in this case, it'd be just definitely be more of a cultural milestone of Hollywood embracing other, finally embracing another 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 uh, type of movie. Yeah. Or made somewhere else other than in Hollywood. So that would be really cool. But yeah, I can't think of any others. At least Oscar nominations, like I think Jojo Rabbit, like it was like good movie, not I think, very. I think Jojo Rabbit it will be a cult classic. Possibly. Because it was very good, and while it didn't exactly do anything really new, it was... It it did everything that it wanted to do very well, Mm -hmm. and it was also created by a director who's sort of on the upswing. Yeah. So, like, unless he disappears entirely next year, which obviously he won't because he's making Thor, Yeah. it'll go down as, like, a quintessential Taika Waititi movie, I think. Yeah. Which does mean something. So I think that one will also go down as a classic movie to some degree. Um, I'm trying to look for other, like Lion King, you think? No. Just remember it as like the first uh, I don't even, entirely CGI live action movie. I don't know. Like, I think that Lion King is just going to eventually get lumped in with the rest of the Disney live action remakes. Yeah, that's fair. Eventually... Yeah, eventually there'll be a Disney live-action movie uh, remake that really stands out. But yeah. even the really good ones we've gotten so far, I also just no lump thanks. in with the rest, right? Yeah. But yeah, I remember thinking Detective Pikachu would be really big. A big influence. That didn't pan out, unfortunately. Not really. Um, I just thought it'd be really big for, like, just, I thought of Pokemon, like, I honestly thought a Pokemon cinematic universe would come from that. Well, it might, because they are making a sequel, and they also have said that they're trying to... That I think I've heard. I don't know that there's any details that exist on it yet, but there is going to be like an adaptation of Pokemon Red, basically. Like, the first game just as a movie. Yeah. So, I think if those pan out... Those are going to be the classic ones, not really Detective Pikachu. Well, maybe Detective Pikachu if Detective Pikachu 2 is really good. I don't think it will be, though. <laughs> we'll see. That's the thing. Uh, Knives Out. What about Knives Out? Do you think that could be has potential? No. And the reason I say no is because who remembers Looper? It was good. I remember it. But, like, it's Just not... a solid movie, but yeah. I think that... I mean, as we said in our Knives Out episode, Ryan Johnson has his best film ahead of him still. Yeah. When that movie when? comes out... That's going to be great. Yeah. That'll be a Criterion movie, but yeah. not yet. I just, I feel like he needs another writer, maybe. Yeah. He, he's he's a really good writer, but he he just, I think he lacks a couple things. He's an amazing director. Yeah. Writer, I think he has some things he has to make up for. Like, he needs someone to go over his scripts. Yeah. Maybe, and just polish up some stuff, maybe change it a little bit. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I guess can't... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because it's a Quentin nah, Tarantino movie. Like, I guess, technically. The only Quentin Tarantino movie that people, that I think that people, like, don't know and reference constantly is Jackie Brown. And even that one people know about. Yeah, everyone, yeah. So, like, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, there's a lot of people who really do think it's one of his best. So, yeah. like, okay. 
Um, I can't say Star Wars because unfortunately, nah. I, th- I I was thinking for a sec it might be like such a bad ending that like people are like oh my well, god this like, goes down in history as like the worst the movie but then no one really cares anymore no no like, one really cares and honestly that ending isn't even like universally reviled people like in general yeah. the the more people dislike it than like it mm-hmm. but like i thought it was fine yeah it's just a very meh yeah movie, right? so like if it was it would have to be like extraordinarily bad yeah to go down as yeah. like well i mean i think it, I think in the whole context it was, but it was no. I, in the whole, we, I think people saw it coming for. But a the while. thing is also like, when I say extraordinarily, like even more than it is, it's very very bad. Yeah. But it's not, not bad enough. Yeah, I guess. Like it's not Game of Thrones season eight. Yeah, type. not it's it's close. It not is close. really. Yeah, I just think. Also, I want to stress again. I actually really like that movie. So. Just because I'm, nine? yeah, I'm, I'm oh, trash okay. talking it now, but like I really enjoyed watching um, it. I don't know for yeah, for me it was just like I already kind of gave up on Star Wars after Same. the Last Jedi, so yeah, I wasn't expecting much from it. It's, I just see it as another movie, not like mm-hmm. uh, it's like the ending to like a part of my childhood. It's like eh, yeah, it's a movie. Um, and the last one maybe the Lighthouse. Hopefully. One day. Hopefully the lighthouse. Yeah. I I think the lighthouse. I think the lighthouse is gonna sort of languish in obscurity for a while, and then eventually come out on the Criterion Collection, and people will be like, "Oh yeah, that was a great movie," uh, and then people will remember it very fondly. Yeah. Hopefully. I think. One day. I think the lighthouse and Parasite end up on the Criterion Collection, yeah, and the other ones like, and then everything else yeah. we talked about. Maybe we have to wait till Batman comes out. The Batman, and Ad- Edward Pattinson becomes a huge star. And then people look his back at Robert, the lighthouse. Yeah. Off. Okay, I mess. I mess up. It's like his name's Edward Cullen. Well, the thing is, like, Robert. I don't know. Robert Pattinson's been in a lot of movies and been in a lot of movies that are very good, but mm-hmm. that no one remembers. Like, yeah. you remember Cosmopolis? No. Neither does anyone else. Okay. Well, it's really good. good. Well, maybe this is maybe the Batman is what it takes. To, I hope so. To make this movie become become a cult classic or something. Yeah. So anyway, tune in uh, next week. Um, you know, normally these episodes come out, I think, on Thursdays? Maybe Fridays. I don't remember. But anyway, these, whenever these episodes come out, uh, we're gonna, we'll, we'll do, like, uh, we'll start, we'll start, start coming out with other episodes on, mm. like, a different day as well, yeah. because we're gonna start the, uh, Patents and Appreciation podcast. Perfect. We'll call I'm it so the Papcast. Papcast. Let's maybe think, of, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll think about that name for yeah, a bit. naming under, uh... <laughs> review so anyway uh we will see you next week where we're going to talk about what's the movie we're talking about pierre that's a great question <laughs> it's need for speed oh is it actually no i don't oh, think it is thank yet God, okay <laughs>